Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 603 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are here on Sunday, March 3rd, 2024, in Yay! We get to talk about another fun game that happened yesterday between the Duke Blue Devils and the Virginia Cavaliers. I'm Donald Wine. I'm your host for this episode. Jason Evans is sitting here gleefully on the Sunday morning. Jason, how you doing? Oh, man. I'm having a good day. I, I got to tell you, by the way, I'm a little upset because I, I had recorded this game. Look, Saturday night games, let's face it, if you've got a social life, those can be a challenge. Um, my wife saying, and I, I don't have plans. a social life. I watched it live, Jason. I did it live. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I had plans with some friends. And as I often do, I, you know, I had the game and record. I, I put my cell phone in my pocket and I said, I'm not going to look at it at all. I'm not going to consult it. Uh, I will watch the game. Um, after we were done going out to dinner with these friends of ours, uh, it was on, uh, you know, radio silence. And as we were at dinner and chatting about different things, our friends said, oh, we haven't seen the pictures from antarctica yet and i reached in my pocket grabbed my phone pulled it out and there's a big bold notification that says halftime score duke 40 virginia 18 and i went <laughs> damn it but then i went oh my oh man i can't wait to watch <laughs> oh it was this fun destruction. it was fun it was fun live I, I mean easily the the most fun we've had all season let's get first of all let's get into the headlines because the headlines came in you know, quick and fast Good stuff. Uh, after, yeah. the, after the final whistle. Uh, first of all, I, I, here's the thing. There's some people out there who send multiple, uh, and I love when they do that because 
Some of them usually have a couple that we can pick just for the purpose of this, because we've got so many. There's some people who had multiple ones that we liked. I chose the best one from that group. So here is the six or seven that I think are the best from the ones that we got. First off, John Grantland writes in every game very quickly after the whistle, if not sometimes during the game when he knows it's in doubt. Usually when I hear from John Grantland, that means the game is over because he's very quick at knowing <laughs> yes. when this game is about to end. So we appreciate John for that. And he wrote, Virginia is for creepers, keepers, sleepers, and thanks to Duke, weepers. Love love that. That's Lots of beautiful. Lines. That is some great stuff, man. Josh Levinson, one of the guys who sends in multiple multiple headlines. There was a couple that fit here, but my favorite of his was too hip to quit. Full throttle flip lowers the boom on the who's. Awesome use of two hip flip. We're going to talk about him quite a bit on this show. David Kerman, the K-Man, he just simply wrote whose house? Our house. That's simple. Whose house? I like, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Nope, our house. Ken Swanner, Duke in Cavalier fashion dominates Virginia. A lot, a lot of those lines, the Cavalier uh, puns on there. Matt Bledsoe, Virginia is for lovers. Durham is for basketball. That was clear yesterday. And Nate Damon, he just wrote simply, who's your daddy? That, yeah, look, everyone knows Shane is my favorite player of all time at Duke. When you have who's your daddy, it's Battier. It was also Duke yesterday against Virginia. Jason, I know you saw a lot of the headlines. Were there some that you liked? Yeah, I can't believe that you didn't pick on a couple of these. First of all, uh, uh, we got a we got an email from Ozzy, the the infamous Ozzy for Duke from the yes. DBR boards, who sent us a headline. He just said flip switched on, which frankly we got a lot of headlines like that. But I'm like, I'm gonna shout out if I, we get an email from Ozzy, one of the legends of the DBR boards, then we're gonna shout him out. Uh, Ken Hazen, I don't know if this qualifies as a headline or an observation, but I thought this was really smart. Ken pointed out, he said, both teams got their wish. Duke wanted a game in the 70s. UVA wanted one in the 40s. <laughs> they but And they got it. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. That one, that one just missed the cut. Um, that one was really good. I think that was a headline. I'm calling it a headline. Um, but it was very, very good. Yeah, that was. Uh, I love that one. I love that one. Uh, but now we can get to uh, recapping the game. I, I got a question for you, Donald. Before we get, I mean, before we get to the good, like I, I had almost, I, I was straining so hard for the bad. <laughs> you know like what? We're going to save that. My We're bad. still going to save that for after break. This is a positive show. But before we get into the good, there was a couple of superlatives um, that happened in this game. The first one, of course, first off, the score, 73 to 48. We're going to talk about that 48 number quite a bit in the good. But that was the 50th win for John Shire, the fastest Duke men's basketball coach to reach 50 wins. So congratulations, John Shire. Again, a lot of people have talked about this transition. No no further proof that the transition is going well than, than the coach right after the legend getting to 50 wins in just 65 games. That is incredible. Also, Jason, for those of you who are coming here to D.C. next week for the ACC tournament, I guess not next week, week after next for the yeah. ACC tournament. 10 days or so, yeah. With that win last yesterday, Duke can finish no worse than second in the ACC regular season. So there will be either the one seed or the two seed, depending on what happens this week against the triangle schools of North Carolina State and UNC. But let's get into the game, Jason. The good part, I'm going to start with the defense because how can you not start with the defense? As you mentioned, at the half, 40 to 18, they held UVA to 48 points. UVA did not have a field goal from the 1241 you, you mark. You, you said they held them to 48 points. You mean they held them to eight, 18 points? 
No, 40 to eight at 18 at the half, and they held UVA to 48 points oh, overall. I yeah. got you. Yeah. I follow overall. it now. I'm with you. Yep. Okay. Sorry. So Continue. also UVA <laughs> did not have a field goal from the 1241 mark to the 247 mark in the first half, just shy of 10 minutes. They hit UVA only hit 31% of their twos, 29% of their threes, just under 31% on overall. They only made 17 shots. They hit the first basket of the game and held the lead for 15 seconds. Mark Mitchell made a layup on the next possession, got the and one, made the free throw, and that was the last time UVA led this ball game. But by the way, really talk quick, about the defense. I'll, I'll let yeah. you keep going, but but really quick on on you were talking about you know field goal percentages and stuff. To me, the biggest number there was that Virginia only shot 23 percent from the field in the first half. Look, mm-hmm. we can talk about the whole game. Obviously, all the stats cover the entire contest. I feel like this game was over at halftime. Uh, Virginia struggles to score so much that you get up up 22 points on them, 40 to 18 at the half. You you know the game is effectively over against a team like that. So for me, I focus so much on what happened during that first half. And again, Virginia only hits 23% from the field in the first half. Look, my, my – by the way, they had, they had seven turnovers in the first half. They are a great team at not turning mm-hmm. the ball over. For them to have seven turnovers in the first half, and most of those were Duke steals. Uh, I just thought Duke's defense had UVA flustered the entire game. Get, how many air balls? I wish I, I I should go back and rewatch the game. Felt like UVA had at least like seven or eight air balls, just including really, on free throws. Yeah, yeah, including one on a free throw. Yeah. Uh, no, but and and every time Virginia came inside, Duke's ability to contest was like Sean Stewart and Mark Mitchell had blocks on UVA in the first half that were just like, you know, like, ouch, unbelievable, like, you know, mm-hmm. sure thing baskets that we took away from them for a team that struggles to score. That is so important. You mentioned that nine, almost 10 minute long scoreless streak for UVA. This was a contest where Duke's defense really stepped up. Duke is now number 20 in the land um, at, at defensive efficiency, according to Ken Pomeroy. Look, I'd love for it to get even a little bit higher, but you're right. You're right in that range where this is the makeup of a national title team is a top 10 offense and a top 20 defense. And Duke is right there. And this Virginia game, they 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 looked fabulous on defense, especially in that first half. I think the best part is that, as we mentioned in the preview, if you get, forget the, you know, bring it in the offense for just a second. If you get out to a hot start offensively, it puts pressure on UVA to make mistakes. And we didn't wait for that. We didn't wait for the offense to start grinding because, I mean, the offense, yeah, it was going and kind of picked up when we had, I think the real crux of the of the game, Jason, was that 10-minute mark where UVA didn't hit a field goal and we went gangbusters from beyond the arc with lots of dunks, lots of, you know, efficient plays where that lead just stretched out to 20 to 25 points and just, you know, basically we just maintained from there. But I think what we did was early on, we said, we're not going to give you any good shots. We're not going to let you be patient and move the ball around and try to find the open lane for you to attack. You guys are going to attack quicker than you normally are. That takes them out of their tempo or takes them out of their, their rhythm. And from there, they were able to take some bad shots. And also we forced some bad shots. And like you said, even when they got a good shot, it seemed like Mark Mitchell or Sean Stewart was there for a block. So I, I appreciated the fact that we stuck to our game plan of, dr- of disrupting the rhythm. But what I loved about it was that we didn't wait for the offense to help. We just went out and started with that. And then from there, the offense took over. See, I'll tell you something, Donald. 
It's so interesting. You and I have a very different view of this game. Like my lead thing was not going to be our defense. I thought our defense was outstanding. Mm -hmm. I was going to lead with our offense because I think against a Virginia team that is built around stifling defense for Duke to have this kind of an offensive half offensive execution in the first half was demoralizing to Virginia. And, and again, I think said to them very early on, we're not going to win this. We're not going to be able to stop this Duke team enough to win this game. Uh, Duke's ability to get out on fast breaks was something that just shocked me. I, I I had, you're not supposed to be able to do that against UVA. If there is one thing that Virginia stresses more than anything else, it's like, don't give easy buckets to the opposition. Don't let them get fast breaks. Don't let them get the ball in the lane for, for you know, easier shots. What did Duke do in this game? They got fast breaks and they got inside to Flip and Mitchell and other guys again and again and again. We just picked apart one of the great inside defensive teams in the country and, and made them just look ineffective at stopping us. Look, with 10 minutes left in this game, Duke had 63 points. We really, we really took our foot off the gas at that point. Mm. Over the final 10 minutes, we could have easily hung an 80 spot on them. Um, and by 80, I'm, you know, I'm talking, you know, mid eighties, even on Virginia. Look, Donald, we got an email from there's, there's one of, there's a DBR podcast fan knows that I love wagering who said that he had bet on the, uh, Duke over under the individual over under for Duke, which was 67 and a half points. And he's like, I put money on that. And I said, I told him, I said, I, I like the wager, but I was a little nervous about it. 67 is a lot against UVA again we had 63 points with 10 minutes left but our poor friend probably had to sweat it out because it took a little while <laughs> it was almost a bad beat to get from that 63 <laughs> over 67 we got there but uh but he had to sweat over the next five minutes or so uh, look this was a game where Duke's offense found so many creative ways to attack UVA we had 17 assists on 30 made buckets that's a very solid 57 percent assist rate our guys kept on getting downhill with their drives. I'm going to talk extensively about that a little bit later. We kept on putting pressure on the pack line defense. Duke had 12 offensive rebounds, close to a 40% offensive rebounding rate. Another big number against Virginia. And I wanted to point out there were a couple moments where I noticed Duke did something really smart with the pick and roll. Virginia loves to, most teams do this, when you when you set a screen, the, the defender covering the screener hedges. And, and then he recovered the hedge and recover, hedge and recover. Virginia does a lot of that. And if you've got big guys, guys who really get their arms up there and they get in your way, when, when you're doing the hedge and recover, you have time to get back. There's no easy lane to pass to the roller off the screen and roll. Cause that's Duke does a lot of that. You know, Kyle Flapowski sets a screen for Jeremy Roach. And then Kyle Rose rolls to the basket and Kyle's man bothers Jeremy Roach enough so that Roach can't hit Kyle rolling. There were a couple times where Duke like created like a triangle. And so when the when the hedge, the guy hedging would come out to take Roach or Proctor, Duke would set up another guy on the wing. Usually it was Mark Mitchell, who was there as an easy outlet. Because again, that pass through the hedge, through essentially the double team to flip or whoever is rolling is difficult. The pass to the wing is not difficult. And so Duke would pass to the wing, and then the wing would pass to the guy who was cutting. Yep. They did that at once, and I was like, can we get that videotape, send it to every high school team in the country? This is how you beat a hedge screen. It was textbook 
And to execute that kind of thing against Virginia, really, really impressive. God, I just can't get over how good Duke's offensive execution was against UVA. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the offense in just a second, but back to the defense. I think when we when you play a team like UVA, and I think we mentioned this in the preview, because the games are usually so low scoring, you have these marks, these benchmarks where you kind of go, hey, if we get to 50 points, you're you're doing you're pretty easy. As I mentioned, in their losses, UVA had only averaged 50.5 points per game in those losses, right? They got to 48. The one thing is as good as the offense was at certain points of the game, watching with my best friends, the one thing that we were talking about was we were going for those superlatives on defense. At at halftime, we we're like, yo, let's let's if we could keep them under 20 at the half. This is over. This game is over. We hold them to 18. At the end of the game, we're like, hey, this game has been so fun. We've done so well. Let's keep them under 50. They end at 48. So <laughs> those are so we found ourselves cheering for the defensive, you know, benchmarks instead of the offensive ones because the offense was there for the most part. But Jason, even some of the other things that they did in this game, you mentioned the rebounds, rebounding margin, 42 to 29. We were getting almost every rebound, it felt like, at times, and going off and getting points off of it. Points off of turnovers. You mentioned the turnovers. You mentioned a lot of uh, of the transition points that we had. Points off turnovers, 16 and 9. A lot of those came from steals. A lot of those came from UVA throwing the ball away. Points in the paint. You mentioned that we were just absolutely just dog-walking them in the paint. 44 to 18. That That's a dog-walking, ladies and gentlemen. We took care of business in the paint. That's a bucket chance point. Wait, wait, dude, repeat that number. There's someone out there who someone out there may have skipped ahead 15 seconds or something like that. That is just a ridiculous number against UVA. Give it to me again. Again, it it, 44 to 18. That's a testament to the two things we're talking about the offense and the defense, right? We we owned the paint yesterday against UVA. Fast break points 10 to 8. You you mentioned the fast break points. It's weird. It felt like we had more than 10 fast break points. Maybe they calculate them under some other thing if you if you uh you know if, if the ball is only in the uh, on possession of like a couple seconds but it felt like a lot of those points were in transition bench points 14 to 4 i know we're going to talk about some of the guys off the bench but this team overall said we're not we are not playing with these with these kids we're going to take care of business and we're going to do it immediately after the game and the press conference everybody who spoke talked about the fact that they want to take care of this game super early and as we roll into some of the players, Jason, it made it where we were able to see some guys come off the bench super early. Remember, this is the first of a Saturday, Monday double. It's our last one of the regular season. And the fact that we were able to bring in TJ power first off the bench, Sean Stewart, second off the bench. And for them to log considerable minutes, it's because we were clicking so well on both ends of the floor. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I was going to start with like Kyle Filipowski and a couple of the other starters. But as long as you're talking about the bench, I'm going to start with Sean Stewart. Yeah. Um, there is There has been no bigger Sean Stewart proponent in the Duke universe than, than Jason Evans over the past few weeks. I've been constantly talking about it. Dude comes in the game, instant impact. I mean, rebounds, block shots, putbacks, so, some outrageous slam dunks. Uh, from the moment he entered the game, he unveiled something new as well. That little pass he had, uh, you know, that lightning quick pass he had to Kyle Filipowski from the mm-hmm. perimeter into the post. I'm like, Sean Stewart getting it done on the perimeter? <laughs> what universe am I living in? Now look, again, he had a situation. He's got the butterfingers. Sean's got to get better at holding on to that ball. 
there was uh i think it was a steal or a block i forget what it was but um he got out on the break on the fast break took about three dribbles the fourth dribble did not happen for him <laughs> but i think he was much better at that yesterday it felt like i mean yeah it felt like he could do no wrong yesterday right like i, I know he was three for six from the floor but i don't remember where he missed those i think he there was like one dunk that he that i feel like he was fouled that he missed yeah, but other than that, it was it didn't feel like when you say he was three for six. I'm like, what three shots did he miss? I know the one that got fouled. They can they didn't call it. Um, there was the one where it kind of slapped off his hand. Um, uh, but like he, it felt like he could do no wrong on both ends of the floor. But really, Jason, he had so many moments where me and my friends were like, ooh, like yeah, like he led he led the team moments. in he led the team in stinky face. No question yes. about that. <laughs> <laughs> both both his stinky face and the fans going like, oh my. Uh, yeah. Look, for the second game in a row, this is ridiculous. Second game in a row, he plays, you know, limited minutes because he's a guy coming off the bench. He played 15 minutes in this game. And he led the team in rebounding. Like, how how is he doing this? He had eight rebounds in 15 minutes. He keeps on leading it. He had 17 rebounds this week playing like, you know, not even a third of the game. It's ridiculous. I, I just want to mention... The dunk he had there, 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 look, he has two possible plays of the game. Maybe I should, I, you know, I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait. Well, on I was going to say, I was going to say the, I was going to say the block, like he almost got called for a goaltending with his head because <laughs> before he blocked it, he was so high up. He had to kind of move his head around the rim. So he didn't hit his head on the rim and he almost hit the ball with his head. Like that's how high he was. That was, the, again, that was the one where like, even the coaching staff all jumped up like, what? Like, what are we doing? Like, calm down, kid. Like, no, don't calm down. Keep doing that. That was fun. Yeah. All right. So we should get to the starters now. Yep. Because uh, I got to start. I got to talk about Kyle Lepowski. I mean, come on. 21 points, 9 of 14 shooting, 7 rebounds, 3 of them offensive. He had a block shot, 2 gorgeous assists. He had, mm -hmm. I mean, when the ball's in his hands, he is dangerous, dangerous. And he had 3 steals including a windmill slam, which, spoiler is not going to be my play of the game. It's not going to be my play of the game, but it could have been. We it have 19 have candidates for this game, so many I, I, candidates. Duke it's okay. Had a lot, Duke had a lot of slam dunks in this game, Donald. <laughs> that windmill slam, I'm going to ask you, man, I want to know, best slam dunk since Zion's 360? That's what, I think that's way up there. Is that Duke's no. best? Hmm. No, it's not. You know why? Because Cassius Stanley came the year after. Uh, oh, you're right. I forgot. <laughs> about Cassius that. Stanley had some several <laughs> several highlight moments. Uh, yes, where he was but, looking down at the rim when he would slam. Yes, you're right about like that. Like alley oops, where he caught it with one hand and was like, "Hey guys, how? Oh, the weather? Let me tell you. Let me hang on. Let me get down from here, and then I'll tell you." Like <laughs> was it was hanging for a long while. Good memory, sir. You are correct about that. In any event, it was an outrageous slam dunk that that mm -hmm. windmill that that. Kyle, that Kyle unveiled. Look, uh, he had 13 two-point field goal attempts in this game, only one three-pointer. I'm fine with him taking more than one three-pointer, but please, can we have Kyle taken? And he made it. Yeah, and by the way, yes, he made it. Can we have Kyle taken 10, 12, 13 two-point field goals every game? That is what I want to see from him. UVA is a bit undersized. Um, Jordan Miner, who's 6'8", tried to check Kyle. They also put six eight, 11 freshman Blake Buchanan. Yeah, go ahead and put a, a freshman. Go ahead and put a freshman on Kyle Phillips. Please. I good beg luck you. With that. Yeah, good luck with that. He abused both those guys. By the way, did you notice, Donald, in the second half, I had predicted that UVA would do that. They switched up. They had Ryan Dunn on Kyle yes. Filipowski in the second half, and it changed Flip's game a good deal. Flip didn't get nearly as much 
in the second half as he did in the first because Ryan Dunn, you know, is, is ridiculous, a ridiculous defender. But in the first half, when the game was decided, Kyle Filipowski just popped 15 points in the first half, eight of 10 shooting in the first half. He had five rebounds. He had three steals. He almost outscored UVA all by himself. Like they kept on mm-hmm. putting up the statistic. Kyle's outscoring UVA and it kept on going later and later in the half. I'm like, this is absurd. He had a great, great game. When Kyle plays like this, when he is this creative in the post, when Duke is feeding him, it is, it makes Duke one of the best teams in the country. No question about it. And the thing about Flip is, if you recall, this is the first time he's faced UVA since that game last year where he got hacked at the end of the game. and Zero, baby. Zero points. Zero points. So after the game, he, you know, people were like, yo, did you, uh, did you take something personal? Did Virginia take, steal your lunch money or something? And he goes, quote, I don't have anything against Virginia personally, but obviously there's still a little reminder in the back of my head about going to Virginia and not scoring and how it ended and all that. It was probably one of the worst games of my collegiate career. Obviously, it's good to keep me on my A game mentally, but it's nothing personal at all. Kyle, I, I get that you said that, but there was something very personal about how you played yesterday. We love it. That's what we want to see from you uh, every single game. That's the that's the Kyle Filipowski that the rest of college basketball fears is, like you said, Jason, the creative version, the guy who's in the paint dominating. And even when he steps out to take the three, he makes it and makes you have to stretch your game out just that much and gives you so many options for him to do damage. I think that was uh, one of the best flips that we've seen uh, this season. And it really fueled the rest of the team. All right. The next guy I want to talk about is Tyrese Proctor. Yep. Reese was in attack mode, like getting downhill. I love to see this. He had, he had that little drive early on. The score was seven to four. I think where he got in the lane and he faked a shot where he held onto the ball. Like he put his hand behind the ball as he took it up. Um, and the defender just soared by like, oops, <laughs> I'm getting nothing on this play. And as a result, Tyrese had an easy short jumper. at so, Such a clever play. He ended up with 15 points, five assists, just two turnovers. It felt like Tyrese was in command the whole game. He hit six out of eight shots. Um, This was the Tyrese Proctor that we thought we were going to get this whole season. And look, I know injuries have been a large part of it. But uh, we we expected him to be this kind of player. Donald, I'm not sure if you've looked at the calendar, but it happens to be the month of March right now. I and did last see that. year, last year in March, we got a Tyrese Proctor that we were like, wow, that guy's a future lottery pick. It is possible. It is possible that we're about to get March Proctor back. We talked, we've talked about March Roach, who we've had all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if we get March Proctor, uh, this Duke team has an excellent chance to be playing in April. Because that's how good Tyrese Proctor was last year in March. That is how good he has looked the past couple games. Spoiler alert, my player of the week will be Tyrese Proctor. And that'll be a good pick. You know, I think when it comes to Tyrese Proctor, yesterday, you saw him do a little bit of everything. He was in the lane. He hit three or four threes. He, again, he had five assists. I think he tied with Roach for most on the team. He even brought in four rebounds, and as you mentioned, he relatively was good at taking care of the basketball. I think when you have – and this was with him being the primary ball handler. We've talked a lot about how all these guys have kind of taken on the responsibility of bringing the ball up. But Yo, The big part, thing was he was in attack mode. That's the thing I right. need to see from him. That's the most important part of all of this 
is that he is attacking and putting pressure on the defense. Whether he's scoring or not, whether he's getting the assist or it's a hockey assist, Tyrese Proctor in attack mode is what we haven't seen enough of, but that we've started to see lately. Right, but I'm not even worried about that because that has come in spurts before yesterday. We want it to be more consistent, which is something that we've talked about all year. But I think when it comes to Tyrese Proctor yesterday, he was also within himself. Right. It wasn't like, you know how someone's feeling themselves. They're like, yo, I know I'm having a good game, but I'm still going to get my 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 people involved. That man was in his bag, especially when he had those couple threes in a row uh, or like two as like two and three possessions where he had two threes and he was feeling himself. But the next thing he did, Jason, was dish it to somebody else for an assist like that is the again, he was able to attack, but he was also able to figure out what we needed at the time and be the quarterback out there. It a lot of it allowed a lot of other people to do their thing. We, I mean, we talk about like Jeremy Kane and, and Jeremy Roach. They didn't have uh, the best games offensively, right? But they were still all able to contribute in so many ways. The, the guards, I thought, had a great game because, as you mentioned, Proctor led the, led the the charge here offensively. But also, you had McCain with six rebounds. You know, he's a good rebounder. You had Roach with five assists. He's distributing the basketball, even though he knows he's not really getting his shots. There's a lot of a lot of things that you can do as a guard to affect the game without having to shoot threes and, and hit layups. And I think all three of them were able to do that, led by Tyrese Proctor. This is again, Jason, you mentioned playoff prac, like, you know, get him in, get him into March and see what he can do. If all these guys enter their mode, like we've seen Flip in March, we've seen Proctor in March, we've seen Roach in March. Damn, if Jeremy Kane can even be on half that level it, that he's been playing right now and he takes it to another level of March. Woof. This team is going to be a problem. And I think it's going to be led by the guards, but also the fact that they're able to get inside the paint and do that. 44 to 18 is a, again, repeating that number 44 to 18 advantage in the paint is something that we don't see Duke teams do, but yesterday they were able to take advantage of a very big you know, mismatch. And even when they tried to adjust, as you mentioned in the second half, it wasn't like we stopped hitting shots in the paint. We kept going right at them and kept just making it where UVA did not under, just understood very flatly that they were not coming back in this game, that this game was over when it hit, you know, basically the 247 mark and they finally hit their shot to make it like make them have like nine points. Like this is when they were like, OK, this game is over. Now it's about the net. And we talked about how the Big 12 yeah, exactly. been the net. stuff. So this was a, the, the, if you think about this week, Jason, Two games, two 25-point blowout wins at home. Can't get back. Can't, much, can't much get much better than that. Yeah, look, you keep on talking about points in the paint, and there's a good reason for that because it was so important in this game. I, I want to just quickly shout out both Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell, who I thought were other guys who just relentlessly attacked the basket. Mark Mitchell again and again going in there, you know – Virginia had to worry so much about Kyle Filipowski and, and frankly did such a poor job of stopping him that they couldn't help onto Mark Mitchell. And I thought Mitchell did a really nice job of getting in there close, being able to make a couple different moves and then finishing. And then Jeremy Roach, who didn't, you know, didn't have as many shots as usual in this kind of game. But I, I thought Roach, when he went in the lane and, and attacked, was just outstanding. Look, it's not, you know, Roach is 0 for 4 on three-pointers which is uncharacteristic from him. We, mm -hmm. We've seen the dude near 50% all year. We didn't really need it this game. You know, if you're going to have a game to go over for Jeremy Roach, this is the game to do it. <laughs> right. But uh, the few times he went in the lane 
and had finishes that he uh, uh, we've talked about it again and again you know his body control in the air his ability to sort of hover and wait and stuff like that to take his shot i mean it, it i would hate to guard you look i'd hate to guard any of these guys but if you were a, a, a good defender like virginia has perimeter defenders guarding jeremy roach must be unbelievably frustrating because you're like i've played good defense i forced this guy into a bad shot and then you're like wait a second he actually looks like he's really under control here he looks like he knows what he wants oh wait the ball just went through the hoop like roach did that to virginia several times yesterday super impressive you know one thing about mark mitchell while we were on the subject is you mentioned that he i mean he had 10 points five rebounds you mentioned that he was quick at getting to the paint and getting, I mean, I think he probably had three or four dunks of that, of those 10 points. But my thing about him is the best version of Mark Mitchell is when he takes his first step with the ball quickly and with bad intentions. What I mean by that is there's a couple of times where he's on the, on the wing uh, or in the corner and he takes the ball and he acts like he's about to shoot, which we've talked about his shooting all year long. The He basically, you know, convinces the defender like yo i'm about to shoot but when he takes that first step he's like three three steps beyond the the defender yeah. at that point so by the time the defender comes down and turns around he's already jumping up from like 12 feet to dunk and that's what he did a lot yesterday there's a couple where he had just a quick first step and you knew that first step was i'm going to the rim i am dunking this basketball and whoever happens to be in my way whether they're on my team or the other team is in trouble and there was a couple times where Virginia kind of looked and you kind of saw a guy turn around and like, oh no, mm -mm, not challenging that. Let me just <laughs> let me just move here. And it was just free. It was just free dunks from the wing. But Mark Mitchell was very great about again when he takes it. It doesn't matter where he is on the court. If he could take it and have that first quick step that just understands, it shows to the rest of the defense, no, this is about to be a problem for you. People get out of the way, and he gets ten points easily. And as as we know, whenever Mark Mitchell scores ten points. Chances are Duke is winning that ball game. Uh, can can I make a, a a suggestion? I would really love for us to make this nickname stick. Something you said a moment ago. I would like to nickname Mark Mitchell Bad Intentions. Bad Intentions. <laughs> when he plays with bad intentions, <laughs> we get it and we love that. That's that's I, that's the Mark Mitchell. I'm, I'm gonna start just calling him Bad Intentions all the time because that dude has bad intentions for the opposition. Woo! Yeah, I love it. All right, we, we talked about the good. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're gonna do some nitpicking in the bad. We're going to cycle through all the plays of the game that we could possibly get. And there's several candidates for player of, the, player of the week. Figure out who we pick after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Wow, the year feels like it's flown by. As we enter the summer, it is the time to take note of the wins that life has brought you. And it's a good time to make adjustments for the rest of 2024. Talking to someone about those wins and improvements can help you recalibrate and give you something to focus on for the remaining months of the year. That's right, Donald. That's where BetterHelp can provide the alley-oop. Getting advice from a therapist can help you keep the focus on the good things in life and learn how to handle the hard better. It's online, it's flexible, and you get to fit it within your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched to a professional that can serve as your guide and you can switch anytime you wish. So if you need help setting those goals to carry you through 2024, try BetterHelp. 
visit betterhelp.com slash dukebb. That's D-U-K-E-B-B today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash dukebb. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, Jason, we are back, and we're going to get into the things we need to improve from this game. Not every game's perfect, and while this game felt like it was close, uh, there were a couple of things that, honestly, I, I'm going to be nitpicking with some of these, and th- and that's fine, because in yeah. in the effort to get we perfect... Could skip, well, I, let's be clear, we could skip this category. <laughs> yeah, we could, but like in an effort to, to be fair, we're going to you know nitpick some things that uh, we can always improve on. I think the first thing, Jason, that I have is... We didn't really, we got a little careless with the shot selection late in the game. And, and this is, again, this is more selfish for me because in, in light of all this talk about the net, the one thing I wanted to do against UVA at a certain point was just run up the score on them. And it's, it's not anything against Virginia at all. I just wanted to run up the score on them to show to the net that, hey, this team that we're talking about and everyone you know thinks the ACC is down and they don't have any good teams. Well, this is an elite team that you're watching. Um, you know, we coasted a little bit in the second half. We only shot 40%. Uh, from the floor, didn't shoot the three particularly well. But again, this was a game that you're allowed to do that because of how well we were playing in so many other areas. I I think just the one thing is when we get those guys late in the game, those guys that come off the bench uh, and get that that time when we are up 25, I I think the shot selection from them can be a little bit better because it is, again, selfishly, we want to see them score. We want to see them succeed. We want the Spencer Hubbard moments. We want, you know, TJ Power to get his get his shots off. We want, you know, Neil Begovich to get his shots off. So we want those guys to get get good shots. And I think just because we're in garbage time doesn't mean we should play like it's garbage time. We should play like it's the start of the game and continue that effort from start to finish. But again, this is we are we are we are literally splitting the the smallest of hairs uh with that with that improvement. Look, you talk about the net. Duke went from thirteen to nine in the net. Yeah, <clears throat> nothing wrong with a four uh, a four spot jump in the net. Uh, I, I'll say my my stuff in the bad is this. First of all, Duke actually didn't shoot all that great in this game. We just hit six of nineteen mm-hmm. three pointers, just thirty one percent of our threes. I mentioned Jeremy Roach went zero for four. Jared McCain was zero for three, and actually McCain had a pretty quiet kind of game for him. Uh, he he got a lot of boards again. You know, he got six defensive rebounds, tied for the team lead in defensive rebounding. Um, and a couple, you know, nifty little baskets, but it wasn't his usual game. <clears throat> and if we're being completely honest, 
I, I am more inclined, you know, to put that in the bad than the maybe the, maybe it's the mediocre, not the bad. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen much more from Jared McCain in, in recent weeks than we got in this game. Um, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that we eased up a bit in the final 10 minutes. Uh, you, you know, again, you, you talked a little bit about this, but being honest, that has to go more in the bad than the good. Uh, Mark Mitchell missed three out of four free throws in the second half, including one of them that never, never got over the rim, never even came close to getting over the rim. <clears throat> and, uh, then again, as you mentioned, UVA airballed a free throw late. So who am I complain about free throws? Right. <laughs> but I'm looking. I'm looking for stuff here. And then the last thing I wanted to mention in the bat is this. We did fall into the Ryan Dunn trap a couple times. The the elite defender for UVA had five block shots against Duke. Duke remains one of the worst teams in the country at getting our shots blocked. And I just, you know, it's tough against a Ryan Dunn. He comes out of nowhere. Uh, he's just, uh, by the way, I've, I've decided Ryan Dunn is Dennis Rodman. He is, Dennis and, Rodman and was, as you mentioned, he's not big. He's not like he's a seven footer that you're like, oh, not Zach Eady out there yeah. just standing in the rim. He He's in, he's in great position. He has great footwork uh, and great technique on defense. And because of that, he's able to, you know, prov- provide help side defense and also, you know, man on ball defense as well. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is, you know, I, all season long, Duke has struggled with getting our shots blocked, and we got our shots blocked a lot in this game. Again, although we were playing against, again, I, I feel like Ryan Dunn is uh, Dennis Rodman minus uh, at least some of the tattoos. Um, you know, not a very good offensive player, but but man, he can he can just do all those other all the other little intangible things at an absolutely elite elite level. But that's that's all I had in in the bad. And it's it's very very little, and like I said, we could have skipped it. I will say, I'm pretty sure at least one of those blocks was uh, a Sean Stewart yam attempt that uh, where he got fouled and they called it a block shot instead. Yeah, so yeah, I I'm, I'm inclined to, uh, yes, Ryan Young, did, uh, Ryan Dunn did get to do his thing. Um, but I'm, I'm taking one of those blocks away from him because that should have been a Sean Stewart yam attempt on him. Uh, okay. Jason, as I mentioned, there are like 19 plays in this game that we can pick for play of the game. <laughs> Which, you, of course, we can only pick one. And we got even got some some uh, listeners to write in about their play of the game. And a lot of them were in line with some of the ones that were under consideration. But which one is your play of the game? Okay, so we had numerous listeners point this one out. And this is also my play of the game. Uh, Reese Beekman is dribbling the ball. This is in the first half. And Sean Stewart was near him. Now, he wasn't guarding Reese Beekman, but Sean Stewart was in the vicinity. <clears throat> and Sean reached out. I'm not sure if he actually deflected the ball. I think he might have, but it resulted in Reese Beekman losing control for a moment. When Reese Beekman lost control of that board, TJ Power, guy whose name we haven't mentioned, TJ, by the way, a couple threes. Nice job, TJ. Getting minutes. TJ getting minutes matters for this Duke team. TJ Power goes to the floor, like right away. Loose ball. TJ is on it. Kyle Filipowski also dove for the ball. Those two guys were on that thing like it was the only bagel at the end of a Yom Kippur fast. They wanted that basketball, and the ball popped out to Jeremy Roach, who had that incredibly sweet, incredibly fun back and forth. I think they passed it like three times between him and Sean Stewart, and it ended with Sean Stewart yamming in some poor dude's face. That was my play of the game because it started with hustling and aggressive, getting on the floor, getting after it defense. It included some really sweet, smart passing, and it ended with my current favorite player, Sean Stewart, yamming on some dude. Easy call for me, play of the game. Jason, as you mentioned, 
quite a few listeners wrote in about that one. I am totally on board with that being one of the plays of the game. However, my play of the game might be a little more simple than that. It was flips. It was flips fast break windmill jam. And the reason why is because it essentially turned the game from a game to the fun park. I love it at that part. Like, Everyone at that point were like, all right, now it's time to have some fun. And you could tell even after that, like UVA didn't have a, you know, sometimes after a, a, a dunk like that, you need to get a quick answer. UVA didn't do that. We come back and we basically hit like another three and then it was another three. And that's when it felt like we were pouring it on. It was in the middle of the first half. They, they, they reviewed it. I mean, they, they put it on highlights several times. It was part of the highlights package for the rest of the game uh, almost immediately. But that get, that dunk turned the game from a game into a fun game and allowed for everyone to kind of relax, allowed for camera to kind of go nuts and allowed for everyone to be like, if you mentioned, you know, we mentioned kind of in the bad that we kind of took our foot off the gas. It was because we were able to try some stuff. We're like, hey, let's, you know, if I if I jump from, you know, if Sean Stewart jumps from 12 feet over two dudes, tries to dunk it, what happens? Like that we had some room for error in this game because it was allowed to become <laughs> fun after flip did that windmill jam. So that was my play of the game. The shout out to, to the, to the other plays of the game that, that didn't make the editing room floor, but there was a lot. There were, a, there were a lot of we, them. We, we love games <laughs> where we have to, we have to nitpick and figure out which one actually makes sense uh, to, to mention because there's, there's a lot of them. So that was, that was cool. Jason, finally, as always, we wrap uh, as we do on the weekend shows with our player of the week. You hinted at your player of the week earlier. Tell us why Tyrus Proctor is your player of the week. Tyrus Proctor is my player of the week because he had 12 assists and only three turnovers. That'll do it right there, my friend. Oh, by the way, he also hit five out of six two-point shots. He hit four out of nine three-point shots and just seemed like he was in control. March Tyrese has arrived. I am here for every second of it. Again, several candidates for player of the week. Tyrese Proctor in any normal week with those stats would be my player of the week. Jason? I'm giving it to your favorite player at the moment. I'm giving it to Sean Stewart. Oh, I love it. Sean Stewart, get this all week. 15 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, six out of nine from the floor. Nice. In just 25 minutes of play. I'm giving it to him because he's been stellar off the bench. His bounce, his hustle have really brought another element to this Duke team. And if you think about Jason, as we enter we are in the month of March. We are getting close to March Madness. As we get to that point, the one thing that separates some good teams from the elite teams is that the elite teams introduce some dynamic that other people just can't figure out. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Sean Stewart. He is the guy that <laughs> other teams will not be able to figure out because all year they have been told. I mean, even if you look at Kempom, you're looking at Kempom, they're like, oh, this guy barely registers. He barely matters. Well, he's been mattering a lot lately, especially this week and having a great week when you can have a guy come off the bench and, and put in a hockey shift and provide those type type of numbers, as you mentioned in both games, leading the team and rebounds. You're going to have this is a dynamic that other people will have to figure out how to catch up to. And March is the wrong time to be catching up to anyone. So, Sean Stewart, keep doing your thing, young man. Keep it up. You are my player of the week. Look, I, I think one of the really, really essential, really interesting things to note over the next several days, over the next couple games, is going to be how much does Sean Stewart, to, and to a lesser extent, TJ Power, how much are those guys playing? Uh, because Duke has a road game against, you know, a, at least a decent NC State team. We're going to have a preview of that game coming up. You know, check your feed. 
it may be all, already in your feed by now because we're going to have to do these back-to-back. Uh, but how much do they play in that game? How much are those guys play against UNC? Because that translates into how much are they going to play in the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament. Uh, the past two games this week, I, I, Duke had a pair of 25-point blowouts. I love to see it. Obviously, this is what we want to see from Duke every game. I would love, you know, my fantasy is that Spencer Hubbard is playing three minutes in every single game for the rest of the year for Duke. That's that's a good sign. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's realistic necessarily, though. And uh, because you're going to have competitive, you're going to have tough games, competitive games where it's going to be tough to give minutes maybe to guys a little bit further down on the bench. And I'm very interested in seeing did Sean Stewart and I, like I say, TJ Power also did those guys get double digit minutes this week because it was 25 point blowouts or are they going to get meaningful minutes, you know, three, four minutes per shift and a shift in the first half and maybe two in the first half and in the second half, are they going to get that in games against Carolina in games in the ACC tournament and in games in the NCAA tournament? That to me is one of the big questions that we don't at the moment know the answer to. I'll tell you which way I'm leaning. You know which way I'm leaning on this, but I'm not in John Shire's head. I'm not in practice to necessarily see it. Um, I think the results on the floor show you what it should be, but that's one of the big things I'm going to be looking for in these games this week. And it, actually kind of boggles the mind when you think about it. We play Louisville and Virginia this week, two very different teams for many reasons. And TJ power and Sean Stewart were two of the first guys off the bench in both those games and log considerable minutes. That is something that maybe bodes well for what John Shire is thinking about how this rotation could and should go over the rest of the season. And of course we still have Caleb Foster who's on the bench and he's injured when he comes back. This is a dynamic that we're we're really looking forward to seeing all of them uh, right there. So, Jason, before we wrap up, anything else you got? Yeah. Last word. I went and I looked at Bart Torvik, and I sorted his stats by the past month. Basically, since the Carolina game, the past month of Duke basketball, the past month of the entire college basketball nation. Number one team in Bart Torvik's rankings of the past month is Houston. Number two team is UConn. No, you know, obviously everyone says those are the two favorites alongside Purdue for the national title. The number three team in Bart Torvik's rankings over the past month is the Duke Blue Devils. And this team has lately been playing the way we thought they would play all year. And I'm not saying the season's been a roller coaster because it, it really has not been a roller coaster, but Duke hasn't achieved what we thought they would achieve. They haven't been at that level for a while. For the past month, they've been at that level. And it is exciting to watch. And I cannot wait for what comes next because what I've seen over the past few weeks is a Duke team that has a damn good chance of playing in Phoenix and cutting down nets. I I, I think we all hope you're right, right? I, they've been playing well lately. Let's hope they keep it up. Hey, I'm just we citing haven't... the stats. Yeah, I'm just giving stats... you what the computers will tell you. Duke's the number three team in the land over the past month. Period. End of the story. Jay-Z said, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And you got the numbers, Jason Evans. So, uh, look, we're going to we're gonna leave it here because Jason and I are going to take a sip of water. We're going to breathe a minute because, hey, we have a Saturday-Monday double as well. We're going to be back very, very soon to preview the NC State game that is on Monday night. But until then, he is Jason Evans. I am Donald Wine. This is episode 603 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Thank you, as always, for listening. Remember, emails, headlines, 
dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our affiliate links on Linktree from home field to finage. We got everything you need for March Madness. So until maybe hours from now, here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home. Thank you.